Hello everyone. This month we're going to be looking at hearing God through angels or encountering God through the angelic. And we've asked a few people at City Life if they would like to give their views about what they think about angels or any stories and experiences they've had. Well, no, Sam, and, and, and they have Jesus in their bodies to help them work. To help them work? What kind of work does an angel do? Um, they magic things to help them. To help die. people? Yeah. I understand yeah. from scripture, angels being one of the spiritual beings um, with the primary purpose of uh, bringing message, messages. They are messengers from God. Um, I don't have any experience of seeing them with my natural eyes, but I do have many times when I've sensed them uh, being there, much more with my spirit spirit senses um the most profound for me was when i was not well was suffering from stress and i just lay down on my bed and i was just praying and i had this sense of this angelic being in the room with me and me being covered by this ginormous wing it covered me from uh head to foot and just feeling the security and the peace of um that presence with me my understanding of angels is that they are spiritual beings who provide a directional pathway for us to receive messages from God. And my experience of angels can be described from the confirmation of visions and aspirations concerning the things that I desire and I get involved in. And I also feel that uh, angels deliver my life's purpose to me. They, um, they look after us and... Uh... I like God's little helpers. What's an angel? I don't know. Is an angel. Um, uh, it flies. Yeah. Uh, it's a superhero. It's a superhero. Why? What can angels do? They can. They have wings. Yeah. And they do. I don't know. Experience of them. My view on angels is I feel very excited when other people start talking to me about angels or that they're seeing them um, because the whole supernatural realm is something that really excites me and is something that I really believe God wants me to move in more freedom in. Um, and so when people say, oh, I can sense an angelic presence or whatever, I start feeling quite excited. Um, I've had several people who have come to me and seen angels by me or with me um, and that was very impacting um, both in a sort of protecting sense and um, so seeing them as tall and big and with armour um, when I was doing a healing prayer situation um, which was so encouraging to me at the time because I had prayed for that um, and just recently um, a friend had sent me an encouragement saying they saw a huge angel with me who was silver um, and had a huge silver sword. Um, so those, I haven't asked God anymore about that, but yeah, I just feel very expectant and excited. So yeah, want to find out more. So Gus and I had this experience once where we were travelling back from Trinidad and Tobago via Miami and the um, travel agent had booked us um, the tickets and had told us that we wouldn't need visas to travel through Miami but it turned out that Gus did need one because he was flying on a 
Trinidadian passport and not his British passport. So um, on the way to Trinidad and Tobago, we were separated and it was very traumatic um, for both of us, I think. And so on the way back, the pastor had prayed um, that, you know, we'd have easy passage, that our things wouldn't go astray and that um, we'd even have angels minister to us. And so we were flying back um, and we came to the customs area. And again, they were saying that we'd need to be separated, that Gus would have to be held. Um, and yeah, and then just out of nowhere, this woman appeared um, in the airport uniform and she just was out of this world. She was um, had such an authority about her, but very silent. Couldn't really get her to chat to us, but she managed to get us through all the security, she managed to um, make it so we could stay together. It's like she had Jedi mind powers. She would suggest things and people would just do what she said. Um, and she even found our luggage, which was the other side of the airport and hadn't been labeled properly and somehow managed to um, get it together and, and get it to the aeroplane. So yeah, all of that just really felt like she was an angel in disguise. My only um, experience of angels is um, when I had a dog called Raz and she was younger I used to walk her on the common and she was a very adventurous dog and she would disappear for minutes on end and I'd be wondering where she was and worrying about where she was and, um, and I used to think about an angel who I called Pax who, would, who was so huge he um, could see the whole common um, because he was so tall. He could see everything and he always knew exactly where she was. And because he knew where she was, that gave me a peace. Um, and I would ask Pax to look after her. I don't know. Angels are messengers. And as such, I'm sure throughout my life, um, they have been used by God to... Um, lead and guide uh, by the Holy Spirit. They're directed and controlled by him. And so I'd like to think that uh, even as I'm talking to you now, there are angels around us, though my eyes don't visibly see them. I'm, I believe in their existence. And I've certainly heard uh, songs uh, where angels have been singing. And I'm sure they like doing that. How cool is that, eh? Um, my experience of angels is um, the night everybody prayed for Ukraine and the next day there, there was um, an angel found in the sky. I've never seen an angel, but I know that we all have guardian angels. So I said to the Lord, could you please tell me the name of my guardian angel? And I heard God say, it's Stephanos. So looking up what the name Stephanos meant, it says worthy of a crown. And I believe he's a very large angel. So I feel that he's protecting me very well <laughs> because he's so large, because he's doing such a good job. He's worthy of a crown. So angels. We don't mention them too much these days. I don't know why. Um, maybe it's a bit of out of sight, out of mind, but certainly I think they're a treasure that God has for us to discover and rediscover at this time. 
that we're in. And um, certainly if we look up about them and find out the facts about them, we can see that they're such a useful thing for us to um, be familiar with and encouraged by and believing for. So hopefully today will inspire us to press into God for greater revelation here and greater discernment of the angelic that he's put around us to help us in our lives and in our world. So let's listen to a few facts. Fact number one, God created the heavens and the earth. He created the angelic just before he created humans. Um, and we were made to live and care in the earth and for the earth. Angels were more heaven-based, there to serve God in worship and to help him carry out his will and purposes. And certainly heaven and earth were very much more connected before the fall of mankind, which came about through a bad angel, as you know. And we'll hear a bit more about that in a minute. So fact number two, angels have personalities, intelligence, emotions and free will, just as we do. But they're primarily spiritual beings and only take on human form occasionally when needed. We are primarily physical beings, but with a spiritual uh, aspect too. We're obviously visible, physical in ways that we don't see angels very much. I once received a word saying that I'd see angels with my natural eyes and I'm still waiting for that. So maybe this is the month. Fact number three, angels exist within a hierarchical structure, a different structure to how God created mankind. It's a bit like an army with archangels over many other angels that serve them, like captains and generals. Um, the Bible mentions three archangels, Michael, Gabriel and Lucifer. Michael is the commander of heaven's armies and a very powerful warrior and is involved in lots of um, battles against the enemy, victories over the enemy. And that's his main focus. Gabriel seems to be more about communications. He stands in the presence of God and receives messages. And he was the one who announced Jesus's birth to Mary and Joseph. He was the one who, um, to Elizabeth, told her about the coming of um, John the Baptist. So he seems to be more about messages. Um, and both Michael and Gabriel lead legions of other angels who serve their purposes in serving God's purposes and often helping us when we don't even know it. Lucifer, fact number four, the third archangel chose not to remain faithful and obedient to God. We know from Ezekiel's description that he was very beautiful, reflecting God's glory, and maybe it was his vanity and pride that triggered his selfish ambition to be on the throne. He and the angels under him, which is a third of all the angels that were created, rebelled against God and were flung out of heaven, deciding to make earth their home, unfortunately for us, bringing their selfish ambition and their structures with them. These are not God's design for us and they distort people's unity, dignity, worth and fruitfulness. Lucifer, we now know as Satan very often and the angels under him, we now know as evil spirits or demons. And much of the evil in the world is caused by their lies and deception and influence on human beings led to rebel against God's ways and go after selfishness and greed like they did. Fact number five, angel, 
Angel structures were not meant for humans, who, unlike angels, were made in God's image. We're not meant to live using command and control and hierarchical structures. We're meant to live through loving relationship with God and we're meant to live in responsive obedience to all those God delegates his authority to, those God-appointed servant leaders raised up to care for others. And we were all meant to have meaningful work and responsibilities to aid fulfilment and value, quite different from the dog-eat-dog type of way of life and the power struggles that we see around us today. And it's worth bearing this in mind as we think about society and especially as we think about some of the church structures that we need to adopt and those we need to avoid. And I feel part of our restructuring through this transition we're on, where God is raising up his priesthood of believers again, is part of that. Maybe we just became just a bit too, yeah, limited in our structures. So God is doing something about it. Fact number six, before God gave the Holy Spirit to live within everyone who believes and follows Jesus, angels were the main means of God's communication. His messages to humans were carried by angels to people as and when necessary. And the Old Testament has many examples. Maybe now that we have the Holy Spirit, we don't give as much credit to angels because we don't we get messages directly from God through the Holy Spirit. But actually, there's still a lot of functions that angels have that we need to be aware of, that we can call upon God for his angels to help us in these areas today and get them functioning again, because I'm sure most of them are just not really utilised by us at all in the way that they could be. So let me give you a few examples of the New Testament um, functions of angels. So they're there to serve and encourage us, Hebrews 1, 14. They're worshippers and so they can encourage our worship, Revelation 5, 11. Really exciting one is they watch over children and we need to believe this for our children, that every child has a guardian angel, Matthew 18, 10. How amazing is that? They're always going to have those guardian angels. And let's get our children involved in, in understanding that and being confident of that. They strengthen people going through difficult circumstances. And again, maybe we don't know it, but there they are to do that um, in Matthew 4.11. They lead those who don't know God to people who do know God, who will give them the good news of Jesus. And that's another amazing one, isn't it? That actually angels will be preparing and leading other people out there to us and to others who will tell them the good news of Jesus. Let's believe for that. Let's ask God to use us in that way. Let's exercise angels like that. And there's an example of that in Acts 10. They warfare in the heavenlies for our protection. Revelation 12, 7 to 9. They appear in dreams sometimes. Matthew 1, 20 to 24. They protect God's children from harm on many occasions. Acts 12, 7 to 10. They punish God's enemies. Acts 12, 23. And they perform extraordinary acts. Acts 7. 53. We could use some of those extraordinary acts, couldn't we? They watch over churches, and this is another one that really encourages us as we're on our transition, that the angelic watch over city life on its journey at this time. Revelation 2 and 3 shows us that. They comfort and care for believers at their time of death. That's a wonderful thing to know and be comforted by. 
Um, Luke 16, 22 shows us that. And they direct and help preachers, Acts 8, 26. So if with this needs some improvement, please do ask for angelic helpers for me. And on that note, in part, I have my main personal experience of the angelic linked to that. And I hope it will encourage you if you've never seen angels, because I've never seen them either. But I was aware, um, with the help of Glory School and Patricia King's approach to seeking God for angels, I was encouraged to find that I did have a personal one myself that had a very important role in my life. So I'll tell you about that now. So she said, if you don't see them, if you don't feel them in your imagination or in your in your being in any way, then ask God just to tell you about them as you would ask him to tell you a word about somebody when you're looking for the prophetic. So I asked God if there was, I was in my bath having a little quiet time as I often did in the bath. Sometimes I don't do it in the bath anymore. Um, but when I was spending some time, I asked God, is there an angel with me now? And I felt God say yes. So I was like, mm, well, what is this angel called? And I felt him say steam shift, which was a very strange word. And at that time, I detected some little bubbles in, in, the, in the bath, in my imagination, just sort of near the taps at the lower end. I felt there was some sort of little bubbling going on in the bath. And I didn't quite understand what that was all about. But I said, well, what's Steam Shift here to do? And I felt him say, he's here to, uh, when you're worshipping and praying, he's here to give you revelation. It's like, but isn't that what you do, Holy Spirit? You give me revelation. And he said, yes, but he is here to help you get clarity um, on the revelation you receive so that you can actually clearly understand the word of God to you. It's more accurate, more discerning, more powerful with his help. So after my bath, I googled this strange word, this strange word, steam shift, and discovered it was a way of purifying coal when you're making electric power. So it felt a really important thing that to make power from a raw ingredient. They use this process called steam shift that bubbles steam through and takes out impurities and brings about pure electric power. And I just thought this does apply. This is what I want in my life. Um, and then sometime later, a discerning person was staying with us and they became aware of steam shift in my bathroom. And so on my birthday, quite a long time ago now, in 2015, um, they sent me this message about steam shift. They say steam shift is tall and magnificent, positioned at the edge of the bath, reaching to the ceiling, but not contained by it. He stands firm and solid, steadfast, yet so artistic. He's mainly bronze in colour, but has a steamy hue around him in a myriad of colours, brass, copper and other metallic browns. He conveys function merged with an absolute flair of creativity in a way that's hard to express in words. Steam shift has divine authority assigned to him by God himself concerning you, Bev. God has allowed him jurisdiction to impact your thoughts using heaven's resources and a creative collection of instruments to carry out this significant commission. The instruments have different purposes, including the celestial steam pipe, a tall bronze pipe extending from the bottom of the bath up through the ceiling to one of heaven's storehouses. It's an attachment to steam shift's body, but also runs through him. Its purpose is to channel pure, concentrated clarity and insight, unfiltered and unadulterated by this world and its challenges. 
As you pray and worship, the pipe warms and creates a type of vacuum that draws the divinity from heaven. As this is drawn down the pipe and into your bath, it translates into human comprehensible thoughts, ideas and logics and takes the form of divine bubbling steam. That is what you saw fizzing. That's quite awesome, isn't it? And I'm ashamed to say that so often I forget that God has given me steamship and how necessary it is for me to worship and pray and call upon him. So I'm repenting before you now and I'm going to be looking back at this and asking God to release steam shift again to do these things for me. One time when coming into the season of Advent, again this is many years ago now, but here we are again approaching Advent so maybe it's a very relevant thing for now. I was worshipping and I asked God to release steam shift to help me receive revelation and I heard the words feathers of faith. The father was asking his angels who stand in heaven to beat their wings and there's lots of wings there, and to release a flurry of feathers, to give us faith, to encourage us to believe, particularly for the supernatural, and to be ready to um, move in the supernatural ourselves, taking new levels of faith, being prepared to step out and say yes to releasing the supernatural and the impossible into situations. God is a supernatural father, he does impossible things and he wanted us to share in that and was encouraging our faith to do so. There was a real sense of the Trinity and the angelic working together, excited for a new day, a new era when the church comes into her own. And many of us saw feathers of faith in that season, even though all the birds' feathers were long gone. And maybe the time of fulfilment of that word has come or maybe it's still coming. But I came into my bedroom one day and there, having spoken to God in the bath before about us creating a garden in heaven together um, and what the aspects of that were. And that's another story that you will know. But I came out and right in the middle of my bed, right in the very middle spot was a perfect white feather. And um, I just felt God saying, believe my words to you. So again, that was another encouragement. Another time I was at an evening worship gathering that we were having and Trisha Kenyon was there and she came and danced around me as she did to many people. She felt God called her to dance and I felt God was saying that she was just emulating the angels around me dancing and she was showing me their dance so I could see it. Um, and the following day Francesca got in touch with me and said on Sunday night when Trisha was dancing it was though angels were following her doing what she was doing. When she circled you, it was like they were all circling you too. As she was waving her arms about, they were waving their wings and it was making updrafts for you to rise on, which was quite funny because you raised your arms at that point. Trisha then started doing something which looked like she was laying something before you. It was your path of feathers. You could see it was indeed a path and it was taking you somewhere because you had an aerial perspective. Stay high to see the wood for the trees. Oh, how I need to remember these words. On another occasion when I was praying, I was asking God for two, two couples in the church who were desperately trying for children and who hadn't had much success. One couple really wondering if they were going to be have able to have children at all. They'd been trying for at least a decade. And in my imagination, as I prayed for them, I saw angels making up baby baskets. And I just felt assured that they were going to have children. And I'm really happy to say 
Um, I shared the words with them and others have been praying as well for them. And they've both got two children each now. Those families are the Stevens and the Witchers. So again, testimony to God using angels and angel visions to show us things that give us encouragement and faith for what seems like very difficult or almost impossible. Angels are largely invisible to us, but some do discern their presence, others see them in their imaginations. Some see them as if they were in human-like form. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 13 that some of us will welcome angels without realising it as we give hospitality. So it encourages again to let's keep giving hospitality and welcome to everyone as God leads them to us. When the prophet Elisha got in a pickle, and this is obviously one of the main ways angels can be used, enemy armies were all around him, hunting him down, but he was able to discern heaven's angel armies surrounding the city, offering him protection. And you can read that story in 2 Kings 6, 15 to 17. And when Nikki and I have been doing some particularly difficult healing prayers, especially one time with someone from a cult background, a person said to us, you told me I couldn't have my angels here. That's because they were different sorts of angels of the fallen type that we'd said they couldn't come. <laughs> they said, you told me I couldn't have my angels here, but you've got two great big angels protecting you here, standing behind you. Nikki and I were totally unaware, but this person was able to tell us about those angels. And I heard that mine was called Jonathan. Um, and it's so encouraging to know that I was being protected without even knowing it, that God had made his provision to us that day so I'm sure many of us have got that um, as an unknown experience to us where God has stepped in and just put an angel there to protect and keep and we've never have even known it but we can thank God for them all. Elisha prayed that his servant's eyes would be open to see the protective angels around them and I think it's quite okay for us to pray that we can have our eyes opened to see this supernatural realm that is available to us uh, to see and to pray for and to utilise and be encouraged in faith by and to see and know that we're protected many, many times. So, Abby Rowlands, another person who experienced a protective angel and she needed an angel after their family home was burgled because she found herself afraid to play by herself she couldn't be independent in the way she used to be and she was scared to be on her own in her bedroom um, after they'd had this burglary so she prayed and God sent her an angel to be with her in her room and she stopped being afraid and this is what she wrote when I was afraid after we got burgled God gave me a picture of an angel which I painted and still have now I know God is with me and his angels will always be there around me. I was scared to play on my own in my room, but I became aware of his angels. And lastly, I have a strange experience, which I think must be angelic, but I'll leave it for you to see what you think. Several years ago, out of the blue, I received a letter addressed to me by name at our office in town. It was from a prisoner in a prison in Bangkok, Thailand, where he'd been for many years. He said he was a Christian from Iraq and he'd received a sentence of 11 years for something he had not done. He tried to clear his name but couldn't get a proper hearing because everything was done in Thai. He was now looking for a pen pal for encouragement to see him through the rest of his sentence. He told me he got my name from an inmate who said that I would write to him. 
I asked him what the name of the, in, of the inmate was and he told me his name was Steve, but he hadn't seen him again. Now, I didn't know anyone called Steve in Bangkok, let alone in a Bangkok jail. And I don't know who would have recommended me as a pen pal. I'm sure it must have been an angel. Anyway, we were pen pals and prayer partners for many years. And City Life also paid £200 for a solicitor's letter that helped him um, end his sentence. And we exchanged many letters until he was released, at which point he sent me a photo. And he looked nothing like I'd imagined after all those years. <laughs> so funny. He wrote to me once or twice afterwards and he was moving on with his life. And then we just stopped. The season was over and I still never met or seen Steve. But I'm pretty sure he was an angel. It was also many years ago that Rosie had a vision of an angel called Storm, an angel dressed in white, holding an unsheathed golden sword in both hands and flames of fire around the angel and the sword. And Storm's purpose was to bring truth in the midst of storms. And storms are disruption to normal conditions, aren't they? And in city life and in other settings, particularly now in our world, it seems there's a lot of change, transition, disturbance, disruption to the norm that we've known. And maybe storm is an angel we need to be calling upon at this time because storm um, was bringing truth within the storm to change the atmosphere and making things vastly different from how they were before the storm. And the unsheathed sword was about being ready and prepared and able to respond quickly to unexpected times. And the sword is gold to represent words of quality, strength and purity from God. So I do think it's a very apt word, even though it's seven years old. And perhaps again, we need to God to release Storm Angel into our current situation at City Life and in our world. So what relevance does this teaching have to City Life today? I'm aware of how old many of the stories are. It doesn't make them any less true or powerful, but it does feel as though there's a supernatural re revelation of angels that we need to find again. Um, and their purposes for us at this time is something that God would like to release to us as a gift. And it's been many years since we've pursued God over this. And I just want to encourage us as a church to pursue him again, particularly as we look at it this month, but ongoingly. And where he shows his angels to utilise the gift that we've been given um, and the purpose that they've been given for. So let's ask the Father to increase our discernment and use this gift for our personal encouragement and protection and for the good of others. Let's believe angels are there to bring others to us who need to know his good news. And let's pray God opens our eyes to them by faith. I'm going to finish with Abby Rowland's poem, which she received when she recently looked at the Lectio Divina on Bones, the Valley of Bones. And... She just, one line just stood out to her, which is about souls with courage. And she wrote quite a lot about angels within that poem. So I'm going to finish with it because it's a pretty now word. And um, do look up any additional resources in the Glory School that you might like to look at um, and listen to because it's so inspiring and informative about this subject particularly. And there are also some um, questions to look at together um, as groups and families, which you can find in our resources um, email to you each month or it can you can get a printed copy as well if you ask Vicky um, but here's souls with courage that I finish with angels sing their cry of praise proclaim his glory throughout the land for God is with us 
He is for us. When fear grabs hold of you, when you are drained from independence, God sends his angels cascading from his kingdom. They fill your souls with courage. He's renewed us once more, lifted us to higher ground, where his angels light the path, where his angels guide the way. He is the one who loves us. He brought us back to life, to rise on angels' wings, to rise on his glory. I couldn't put it any better. So bless you all till next time.